Part four, chapter twenty six of Martin Schuler by Romer Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part four, Schwarzwald, chapter twenty six. Martin put down the manuscript and lay back in his chair. The force of the inspiration removed his thoughts, and he felt a contraction in the front part of his head he shut his eyes hunched up his shoulders and threw his body violently forward so that his elbows rested on the table he covered his eyes with one hand and ran the fingers of his left hand up into his forelock so that the palm supported his head and with the thumb and little finger spanned his forehead and felt the contour of his brows the shape of his head was exceedingly pleasant at each temple it was flat and from there curved upward and outward to form the square of his forehead he thought that creation was in the forehead he could feel the effort of imagination between his eyes from there backwards to points above his ears he had the sensation of creation he did not think out what use he should make of the manuscript he felt that he wished to conceive something magnificent something that should be the outcome of all his experience finely constructed upon intersecting arcs or upon converging lines or upon curves of balance he gave himself a climax a point and again shut out the light with both his hands after a few minutes he felt a motion rise burst and break into a million falls he had conceived his idea it was not expressible in words his throat was tight his brain contracted the muscles at the side of his jaws were distended in the effort of clenching his teeth he opened his eyes and without thinking or flickering his eyelids took some lined paper and began straight away to note down the beginning of an opera and music he put it all down very slowly he set the idea that came out of his mind straight down on paper with immaculate notation he paused frequently his eyes half shut as if he were focusing something but he had not a single image or sound in his head his hand obeyed some unknown force in his mind that had its seat in the middle of his brows and drew pains from the sides and back of his head after a time his consciousness returned and he began to think the opera house is large it will be full of spectators there will be a large orchestra and a large stage i myself am in the centre box there are lights there are natural limitations and his well-trained brain began to control the force of his intellect and to keep before him every detail of a finished production from that moment he wrote nothing without having always before him the whole of the finished production he himself was a spectator of his own work he had never heard it before and knew nothing of it except a tendency until he actually put his hand on the paper then the substance slowly came into being with the utmost labour of imagination but perfect in so far that what he wrote needed almost no correction never in his life did he think out anything the day or week before he wrote it after the idea had been conceived sometimes as a faint beating of the heart sometimes as a moment of amazement over a combination of colours sometimes as a vague dream inspired by two thoughts a few words the leaves of a tree or a picture he let it vanish until the materials for writing were at hand he knew that to write directly from inspiration was the only true method to write from memory of the thoughts of inspiration was to lose the force the genius and beauty of the conception i might as well copy another man's work he said to himself 
after five hours dazed and half blind with the vision of an opera house full of wings scenery dressing-rooms orchestra and seats still perfectly distinct in his mind he put down his pen the first episode was finished the opening of the whole thing was written down grand subdued mysterious and vague with a vagueness that was definitely constructed the beginning of a new opera had been made his eyes still half shut martin got up and went to the window saw nothing from it but blue lines and walked round the room pausing now and then to put his hand on some piece of furniture and support himself soon he threw himself into a chair and shutting his eyes lost himself again in the depths of a black night unconsciously he felt his head of which he had become enamoured and assuming one after another a variety of attitudes went through perfection in ecstasy and darkness probably a spectator would have laughed to see him take up those marvellous attitudes unless he had been a genius also each one contained an idea of the true line inspired by the extraordinary completeness of his unconscious thought presently he came to himself and a long wave of joy flooded his heart he was young again he was twenty but full of experience omniscient and powerful the wild force of his imagination drew him out of himself and he was compelled to go out of the house down to the lake to stand silent and exulting and watch the evening fall the uneasiness that from time to time had disturbed his charming efforts of the past nine years his comprehensive observation and his technical perfection and the last terrible catastrophe of realization broke in upon him and tore the exultation out of his heart i am complete and done for he cried and going quickly indoors again shouted for wolf wolf hurried to him instantly wolf he said taking hold of his coat fiercely look at that look at it inform me if there is any hope wolf looked at the fragment but not having the power of imagining the nature of a mountain from a small stone off it was bewildered martin came towards him again and again seized his clothes what he shouted what have you not formed an opinion as quickly as lightning wolf put an expression of awe upon his face and turning round said that is magnificent do not judge me by the old rubbish cried martin do not lie to me it is wonderful answered the secretary who had a very high power of simulating enthusiasm if martin had been in a less wild state he would have seen through him but instead he appeared satisfied and stretching his arms wide said it is simply beautiful it is my boyish conception i have recaptured it in those days i was a genius werner's poem has preserved me for myself i never read it until now wolf gazed at his master with worship oh wolf he cried picking up the manuscript of the peahens and thrusting it under the secretary's nose smell it smell the musty leaves how long have they lain in the drawer god in hell i can remember all those old days help me dear wolf the little episode of nine years is over wolf wolf do you help me wolf's eyes shone with genuine and perfect adoration and he said with overflowing tears in his voice how wonderful you are martin knelt upon the writing-chair and set his face close to wolf's who instinctively stroked his hair martin whose eyes were full of a curious inhuman light said keep my feet upon the earth for me even if my head is among the stars never in all his life had wolf seen anything to be compared with martin's expression it drew the whole of his soul out of him into his face with a most extraordinary uplifted heart he looked straight into martin's eyes with all his devotion and humility 
and understood the power of his master's genius the stars are effervescent round my head i hear them bubbling in my ears o oh, wolf he said how marvellous are the true far wanderings of a young man and the mad dreams of our youthful years i am now returned to the dawn of my life i was a wonderful young man but i am not going to be less wonderful nor less beautiful now the dreamer and the experienced cynic are here together i know all i can do everything it takes a lifetime to perfect a work of art such as i have dreamed of the emotional crisis was over wolf stood patiently listening to what might be said and martin taking up the manuscript again said in a matter-of-fact voice i am fortunate werner caught me and preserved me in this lyric he smelt it again as if it contained all the perfume of the woods of heidelberg and the smell of himself in his one and twentieth year End of Part 4, Chapter 26, Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.